In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> well, we began, we began our service tonight with the Christmas proclamation. And so this proclamation has been used for centuries in the church, and it places the birth of Christ in history. So more specifically, it shows us that all of history reaches its high point in the coming of Christ at Bethlehem. From the beginning, through Noah, through Abraham, through Exodus, through King David, through the prophets, through the return from exile, through the Roman Empire, all things in history were directed to this moment, the moment when Jesus Christ himself enters into history, and, he's, and he enters into our story. He shares our flesh. So often we're tempted to get caught up in the nostalgia and sentimentality of this night. I know many of you grew up here. You long remember this service on Christmas Eve, the candles, the pews being filled, the sweetness of the singing, and that's Christmas for so many of us. But we must not be tempted to reduce this night only to what is nostalgic, because what we celebrate tonight is real. And we must not relegate the coming of Christ to a sentimental story, like the story of Santa Claus or Rudolph or Frosty. Those stories have their places, but they're not history. Jesus Christ coming into the world for us is history. It's history because he was really born a baby. God became a baby for us. Jesus Christ was a baby in a virgin's womb. He really was born. He really was overlooked by everyone and ignored by all but a handful of shepherds. And that makes all the difference. Stories are great. Fables are necessary. They're important to our culture. They're interesting. They're fun. But they do not save us from our sins. Fables do not deliver us from the grave. And so it makes all the difference that we celebrate on this night not a sentimental fable, not something nostalgic or something warm and fuzzy, but we celebrate the high point of history. When Luke tells us about the birth of Christ, he locates it in history. Right? In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus. Right? Luke is clear. Christmas doesn't take place in mythological time. It's not like the stories of the Iliad or the Odyssey. It's not like the tales of Zeus or other gods. The coming of Christ into the world is the true event in which the timeless creator of time enters into time himself. In the book of Galatians, St. Paul says that Christ came in the fullness of time. Paul doesn't just mean that Christ came at the right time, although that's true. Nor does he simply mean that all the preparations were made, the historical setting was arranged nicely, so it was time for Jesus to be born. But what Paul is getting at is that Christ came at the last possible moment, at the end point. St. Peter puts it like this in his first letter. Christ was destined before the foundation of the world but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. The birth of Christ in history 
means the end of an age and the beginning of a new one. The old world, which may have seemed so strong, was meeting its end in the birth of a baby on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And so even now, it's by this event that we count our years. We reckon our own history as before Christ and after Christ. We are in the year 2022, Anno Domini, year of the Lord. That is, it's been approximately 2,022 years since Christ entered into this world and marked the end of one age and the beginning of another. All of this happens in history. All of this happens because the one who is outside of time chose to enter it. The one by whom, through whom, and for whom all of creation was brought into being himself entered into what he had created. The infinite joined the finite. The creator joined his creation. The timeless joined us in time. And he takes on flesh so that he could redeem us, those of us in the flesh. This is the good news that we sing about tonight. It's the good news we sing about in the carol, O Holy Night. Right, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. This is the night in which a thrill of hope breaks into a new and glorious morning. Although the English translation of that carol <clears throat> is nice, I think the French is better. <clears throat> the French literally starts the carol like this. Midnight, Christians, it's the solemn hour where the God-man descends to us. Indeed, tonight is the holy night, but it's the solemn hour. And that word cuts against the sentimentality of so much of our Christmas experience. It cuts to the heart of it. Because tonight's not about sleigh bells. It's not about dreaming of a white Christmas. It's a solemn hour. The solemn hour in which God becomes a human. A solemn hour because it's the hour that God has come for us. The hour when Christ exchanges everything with us. It's the hour he became what we are so that we could become what he is. He was born and placed in a manger so that we could be born anew in his kingdom. He took on our flesh so that our sinful flesh might be redeemed. He became poor so that we might become royalty. He became a son of man so that we might become children of God. He died so that we may have eternal life. Christ takes that full punishment of our sins. He takes on the evil of this world. He takes on the darkness and he exchanges it with light, with life, and with salvation. The Gospel of John says Christ is the true light that enlightens everyone, that all who receive him, he gives the right to become the children of God. Indeed, this is the solemn hour. And it's a solemn hour, most especially for you. Let us enjoy singing tonight. Let us enjoy the candles. Let us enjoy all the warmth of this night, any nostalgia we feel, all the festivities of the holiday. Let us enjoy it. 
Let us enjoy it first and foremost because it's all about receiving Christ who has come for us. It is the solemn hour of all of history because after Christ, history has become a new age, an age in which forgiveness is possible, an age in which we are redeemed and we're reconciled to God. Indeed, it's the solemn hour in which we can take all of our sins and failures to the Lord and trust that they're forgiven. God has given his son to enter into history for you, to take on flesh for you. This is the love of God for you. There's nothing he does not do to redeem you from the darkness of the hour, and this is our cause of joy. And it's not joy born out of cheap sentimentality. It's not joy born out of nostalgia. It is the joy born out of a real child in real flesh, a child who has come to make you a child of God. Amen.